places can contain pieces of our souls. A Sandman Potvik, Part 3 of The Reasons Verse Written by Blue Sunshine and read by Literarian Chapter 6 Dream is quite patiently waiting for one of his daydreams to finish playing with the children in the park. The imaginary friend is one of his slipperier wayward residents, in part due to its nature as one that is both half in and half out of the waking world. But they cannot do this. They cannot lose themselves of the dreaming entirely, drawing power off of the belief and spirit entrusted to them by the children of this world, lest they turn from daydream into delusion, warping from a creation of dream's realm into a phantom of his younger sister deliriums, turning imagination into madness. For now, they've latched onto a lonely little boy, chasing each other round and around a playslide. Matthew, at least, seemed amused, hopping from playground to slide to monkey bars to the delight of most of the children, save one who decided to pick up the mulch from under the swings and throw it at the bird for frightening a toddler who wanted to play there. Matthew flaps his way over to the bench behind Dream and sulks, ruffling his feathers and grumbling to himself. Dream smirks faintly, keeping his eyes on the daydream as the afternoon wanes and children start to run off back home or else are called by their hovering family members. Do you really have to go? The imaginary friend wheedles the child they have chosen to play with. I'll miss you. Hi. Dream loses the child's words as others wind their way around him, loud only for the fact that he has grown unfamiliar with the sensations of being prayed to in such a direct manner. King of dreams and nightmares, Morpheus, shaper of form, dream of the endless, old friend. The voice, however, is not unfamiliar. Uh, boss? Boss man? Hey, there's some um, smoke. Okay, yeah, um, the air is burning. Matthew calls at him, shrill with alarm, as a curl of smoke turns into ashes, which then fall as paper and the scent of poppies. There's a brief moment where he could banish this offering to his realm, or, if undesired, to the darkness, but Dream allows it to form as it is and catches the letter that drops into his waiting hand. Paper trapped in fingertips, he holds his gaze on the imaginary friend, whose friend for the day has just left them, and who themselves had looked ready to slip away again. Dream holds out his other hand, and the daydream sucks, kicking up gravel as they trudge back to their master. It got so hard to come out! They whine, shuffling up to him poutily. And there wasn't anybody to play with in the dreaming, and all the fun places went away or just got 
scary. Lucienne remains. Dream says, quirking and admonishing brow, hand still outturned. Cheeks puff up and arms cross. Have you ever tried to play with Lucienne? No, I didn't think so. Hey, Matthew calls. Lucienne's great. Lucienne is boring. Little daydream. Dream chides, and imaginary friend finally sighs and takes his hand. I'm not in so much trouble, am I? They wheedle sweetly, tugging on his hand. Dream looks down at them. He is not angry with his subjects, or he tries not to be, that not all were so stalwart and steadfast as Lucienne. He just wishes he understood their abandonment, wishes that perhaps understanding might make it less, less what it feels like. Why did you not come home? The imaginary friend shuffles, antsy and uncomfortable, biting their lip like the childish form they were most often taken to be. Is it like it was again? They ask, hopefully. Oof. Matthew winces, twitching up a swing as if to hide behind it. Dream whisks them all back to the dreaming, and thereafter abruptly departs of their company. What more answer do they need than the barren, frost-laden, airless hills where the colourful, brimming, living heart of his dreaming used to be? It irks that he can tell Matthew immediately takes wing towards the royal library, gone to warn Lucienne of his latest mood yet again, as if he needs their commentary on his temperament. He almost forgets the paper he is holding in his hand, till the papyrus crinkles under his unkind grasp and he finds that he has taken himself past the throne room in his haste and irritation, stepping instead into the attic of the tower, where the wind gusts through every arch, the songs it sings discordant and out of harmony, and the views and vistas of his realm spread out around him, showing him how poorly mended it all truly is. Dream turns with a snap of his coat and sits on the mosaic floor, displeased of himself but glad that his lower vantage allows him less of such a view. With a thought, he removes the tower stairs to keep himself from being disturbed. Once seated, he tends to the letter he has rather poorly received and smooths the pages. It is not so brittle as papyrus of old, though the creases have riven through the letters. Still, the ink was thick and dark and the calligraphy impeccable. Oldest friend of mine. Hop Gatling addresses him as casually and sincerely and just a hint pettily as he does in person. Forgive me if this letter does not find you well. Dream frowns in annoyance but perseveres. Forgive me twice over if you do not find it well written. 
It has been some time since I have had cause nor opportunity for letter writing. It is an art form of correspondence that has, in these times, fallen largely out of favour. Too slow a dedication as a means to connect, it seems. I always think the world happens very fast, but it is, indeed, faster now than ever, at just about everything. Sometimes I wish it would slow. Isn't that a laugh? I have all the time in the world, and I still wish it would just slow down. Everyone lives like it's a race these days, except we're never quite sure what we're trying to catch up to. What do the endless think of time? You don't have to answer that. I don't think I'm really expecting a reply. I have so many questions. I have always had so many questions, my stranger, my friend, but time again. I assume that perhaps someday time will answer most of them, even if a certain someone with whom I am nominally acquainted will not. I mean you, by the by, and I mean it as a joke, and I mean it affectionately. Rest assured I shall not beleaguer you with such letters, Dream, just as I have not intended to overimpose myself upon the hospitality of your realm, though it has been opened for me, nor have I meant to overimpose upon your own time. I know very little of what your work entails. I am not sure an explanation would enlighten a simple fellow like me either, so feel free not to try. But I am assured that the nature of it is vast and demanding, and I would not keep you from it for my own sake. Johanna has only shown me that such a method of communication is possible, she says hello, and I simply could not pass up the opportunity. I fear you are unhappy with what transpired upon my last visit, else my recent inability to not only dream of your realm, but to dream at all, is a remarkably unfavorable coincidence. In which case I am certain you can ignore my fears. But should it not be, at least know this of me, my friend. I am a loyal man and I care deeply for those to whom I hold in such loyal esteem. Those such as yourself. So while I must confess to you that I would do whatever lie in my power to aid you in such difficulty as I have witnessed, that I wish to do anything that it might be in my power to do to aid you, we need not speak of it. I believe that is what this lack of dreaming consists of, is it not? You do not wish to address this matter, or at least not to one such as myself. So I will not henceforth. However, my confidence and my sworn discretion are utterly yours should you find yourself with some desire to entrust in one such as I. Just so it's stated clearly. Your friend, Sir Robert Gatling. Hop. Dream folds his letter into his palm and on a whim it becomes a poppy blossom with wilted orange petals. He stares at it for a moment and turns his hand over 
and the blossom becomes a glass-winged butterfly resting on his knuckles, glowing like a candle, wings beating softly as the intentions and convictions with which the letter was written take living form, bright and sincere and warm. He lifts his hand to better study it, basking in its perplexing affection, in the ticklish comfort prickling like sparks against his fingers. Dream has siblings. He has had lovers, children, loyal subjects, some of them even dear companions, but the nature of this friendship with Hobgadling is unlike of Dream's experiences. He carries the butterfly back down the tower, watching its wings flap slowly until he reaches his throne room. Oh, you aren't replacing me with this thing, are you? Matthew protests, hopping along the floor. You can't do that, right? He can't do that, right? His raven looks to Lucienne, who is eyeing the butterfly on his knuckles with reserved curiosity. If you wish to leave my service, Matthew, you need only ask. Dream glances aside at the bird. Ah, uh, no? No. No, sir. Matthew hops a bit, hunching his wings and cocking his head. I'm just getting the hang of this job. Dream eyes him. Good, he replies. Matthew preens, whereas Lucienne narrows her eyes at his tone. Then, perhaps... Dream smirks just a bit at how Matthew cringes a little, finally reading the look in his eyes. You would carry a message for me. What Hop does not need first thing in the morning is for a big bloody raven to come careening into the windshield of his car as he's pulling through the parking lot on campus. He's trying hard enough as it is not to run over wayward students as they jaunt randomly off sidewalks and out from between parked vehicles. Jesus bloody Christ! Hop screeches on the brakes of his prayers as the bird slumps down the glass, flaps a wing and then flops onto its feet and gives itself a shake. Thank God it wasn't dead, Hop thinks. Can you imagine big bloody blackbird dead on the roof of his car right before lecture? And then, of course, the raven begins pecking on his windshield. Peck, 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 caw. Glaring at him with beady black eyes. Oh, fuck, Hop whispers, and then, louder as he rolls his window down, Matthew? The raven coughs, hops from the hood to the mirror and the mirror to the ledge of his door, and nattering, tugs an impossible slip of paper out of the fold of his wing, spitting it into Hop's lap. Really? Are you all right?
Hop asks, fumbling for the paper in his lap while his eyes are fixed on the bird and his foot very firmly still on the brake. The raven ruffles, then lifts and stretches first one wing, then the other. Then he shrugs and wings off, flapping away. Hob, a bit in a daze, shakes his head and then finishes his perusal for a parking spot, well aware that some students were staring after his prayers, clearly having been witness to the entire incident in not comprehending what exactly they had just witnessed. Once he is safely parked, having barely missed a pair of late-for-lecture runners with his bumper, Hop rubs at his brow and stares incredulously at the note he has just received, trying himself to comprehend the fact that he has just received a raven-delivered note. From Dream. Folded into an origami butterfly, of all things. Hop frowns in confusion the whole time he carefully unfolds the wings to reveal the full paper square. The note, oddly, is in typeset. He supposes he can't really imagine what sort of handwriting Dream of the Endless would have. It reads, You need not shout so loudly, my friend, when invoking my name. Bastard, Hop thinks, even while grinning. <laughs>